1: What the world needs right now are leaders who rely on the power of trust, rather than leaders who trust in power.
2: Hey John, how are you?
1: Yeah, I'm good. I lost my voice last week, uh, so I'm glad that we weren't doing the podcast last week, Um, but it's it's come back, so I'm... uh, I'm ready to go. Thanks, Peter. How are you doing?
2: Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Um, Yeah, to start most of these podcasts, I I like to start by diving into the person and the why and what motivates them to do the work that they do today. So if you could maybe just start by a little introduction.
1: Yeah, in terms of my why, I I always start my workshops on the trusted executive telling my story about the why, you know, following Simon Sinek's start with why principle. And so if we can indulge a little bit in that, my Wygon Trust goes back 18 years to my last corporate role. So 18 years ago, I was international managing director in a company called Logica, which is a 40,000-person global software company. I'd been in that job two weeks, and, and it was a Monday morning. I'm walking down the corridor of London's head office just next to Euston, the ninth floor where all the bosses sit. And walking towards me that morning is my boss. Um, the group chief executive who shall remain nameless for the purpose of this uh, this story. (laughs) And he came up to me and said, "Uh, how's it going, Blakey? And I said, it's going great. The day before, we'd sold the biggest deal we'd ever sold in my sector, 32 million pound outsourcing deal with Lotus Cars. And he said, you think that's good, do you? And uh, I don't know whether it was naivety or bravery, but, you know, probably naivety because I'd only been in the job two weeks. I decided to stand my ground. And I said, yeah, I think it's great. And at that point, a finger went out and went straight into my face and a voice boomed in my ears. You know your problem, Blakey. And I thought, no, but I'm clearly about to be unveiled of a lifetime's ignorance in that department. You're too effing nice. And he walked off. And I'm stood there, 21st century, FTSE 100 company, thinking my biggest problem is I'm too effing nice. And Peter, that's really the trigger that sparked my passion for demonstrating that we have to give people a a bigger vision than just being nasty or nice in in leadership. We have to to set the bar higher and and, and be more creative about what great leadership looks like than simply telling people they're too nasty or they're too nice. And, And my belief is that, is is summed up by an author on Trust called Charles Green, who said, what the world needs right now are leaders who rely on the power of trust rather than leaders who trust in power. And I felt that day my boss was telling me to trust in power. And I rebel against that. I I have to believe that there is a better way in the 21st century than trusting in power as the currency of your leadership. So my mission and the mission of the Trust Executive Foundation and all the work we do is to attract leaders who who share that why, who want to stand for trust and are willing to do the hard work to understand what that means in practice as well as in theory.
2: So looking at the work that you do today, um, what does that mean in
1: practice as well as in theory? Well, yeah, great question. Trust is a big, vague, emotive word. We all think it's important. We all think it's critical. Lots of great soundbites about trust. But how do you role model it? How do you put it into action? And that was the focus of my research at Aston Business School was to put myself back in the classroom, do a doctorate focused on identifying the behavioral habits that inspire trust, particularly the behavioral habits of senior leaders that inspire trust. So I can share now with, with, with you and our listeners and, and everybody else that, uh, nine habits that I know and the science will confirm that if you routinely demonstrate these habits, you will inspire trust in the people that you lead. So to me, it's about having good habits. That's how you put it into practice. And uh, the science can help us with that. Models can help us with that. But we all know that changing our habits is more difficult than just reading a book. So if we
2: look at these nine habits that you mentioned, like, w- what are they specifically?
1: Well. They fall under three pillars. Uh, It's quite hard to remember nine habits, but it's easy to remember three pillars. And these three pillars of trust have been in the research for years. Uh, I didn't create the three pillars. Uh, The three pillars of trust are ability, integrity, and benevolence. So to be trusted, you need to be competent at what you do. You need to to have your ethics and your values, which which is the integrity piece. And then you need this third word, benevolence. Benevolence comes from the Latin benevolent, it's wishing well, wishing well for others, you know, common human care, compassion, kindness. That's as important in inspiring trust as is competency or integrity. So these three pillars ability, integrity, benevolence. And in my research, I wanted to get at the behavioral habits underneath those pillars. And, and there are three habits of ability three habits of integrity, three habits of benevolence. So
2: it's also, it's in, it's interesting as well, because when you're talking about like integrity and like the pillars that you, that kind of form trust, it's interesting when you like look at pillars, for example, and Nolan's principles in in government, those, um, the seven principles that they have there. How do you then take the challenge of translating those pillars into action? Because often it's trying to take things from statements, visions, values from from paper to to reality, and also having controls in place to mitigate those that are willing to just dishonor those those requirements.
1: So I think you know if you if you follow the trail of going from theory to practice, you start with trust. You then have your three pillars, and then there are these nine habits. Now, if I pick one of the habits as an example, so an, an example of a habit in the pillar of ability is the first habit is deliver that it you know deliver on time to budget to quality that is a habit that inspires trust if you do that uh, on a consistent basis now in in the research and in in, you know in our work um with trust we can also now go even further and say what are the behaviors um the specific day-to-day behaviors under that habit of delivery so we we have a a self-assessment questionnaire and a a sort of leadership survey tool that will ask people, you know, when you look at your manager's behaviours under this heading of delivery, do you see somebody who is careful when they make promises? So, you know, somebody who under-promises and over-delivers. Do you see someone who has a system for the, the delegation and execution of tasks? You know, that that element of accountability and that they follow up, that they that they have a system... That, that ensures efficient delivery. The the third behavior under that under that particular habit, do, do, do you see that your leader goes above and beyond what is expected of them in their key relationships? So do they go the extra mile? So once we get to that level of detail behaviorally on each of these nine habits, we start to be to to, to be able to measure trust you know, to to assess it, to, to, to raise people's understanding of it, to measure it and to track progress over time because we've got something that is sufficiently practical and tangible that, you know, you can work with it at that level.
2: There's a lot of narrative at the moment about the erosion of trust capital. What do you think have been the key trigger points to that in respect to the society in which we live in?
1: Yeah, key trigger points on the erosion of trust. I think transparency... Is a big word when it comes to trust. Uh, there's a quote by a lady called Fiametta Borgia, which I really like, which says she said that uh, transparency is destroying the opaque lives of organizations. Um, the more we know, the more we want to know, and the more there seems to be to disclose. So we, as a consuming public, are digging and digging to get to the truth. And we have so many more tools now with which to do that than we ever did in human history. So we are hungry to expose anything that isn't trustworthy. And what we're finding is that the more we dig, the more we find. Um, And so I think that collective exposure is undermining trust. Um, Again, I'm going to give you another quote. You know, it's Warren Buffett quote about, you know, when the tide goes out, it's easy to see who's been swimming naked. Now the tide has gone out, the tide has gone out and we are looking around and we are seeing lots of people skinny dipping and we're going, hang on a minute, this isn't right. This isn't what we were told. This isn't what we expected. And there is a collective, I think, sort of rebellion against that going on that says we need something better than that. Yeah, it's,
2: It's true. I thought when you were going to quote Warren Buffett, you were going to talk about it takes a a long period of time to build trust, but a second to break it. But yeah, like to use your um, sea analogy, like the, the seas of change is very much upon us and people are asking for more. They're expecting more. We're seeing kind of a change in, the assessment piece is key, right? So if you look at things like how you assess success historically we've often looked to the markets and we've often looked at the FTSE and saw like share price being as a key indicator for the success and strength of a company. But now I think we're moving beyond that. I think we're going to start seeing more matrix being created, such as things like the purpose power index, whereby we're able to hold people accountable for, for their actions and what they say and what they believe in and what they value. And, and through that, people, you, know, you, you drive real value into the communities and consumer bases in which you serve both inside your organization and out, and I, i'm more intrigued as to how that evolution is going to take place and what it's going to involve uh, and how within existing power struggles that's going to form and formulate within to the market themselves because you, you can fully imagine akin to your example at the beginning where you know you're you're, you're too in nice and you know that kind of yeah, the, the toxic masculinity and the power struggles. There's, what's your viewpoint on, on those pieces that I've mentioned?
1: Yeah, well, I'm 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 right with you in terms of that 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 actually the way you talk about it is that it's it's a bit of a battle. This 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 is this is a, this is a battle. I mean, it's interesting because I I talk now about you know there's a war going on in 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 Ukraine and what is it a war between? You know, it's probably a war ultimately between trust and power, between between autocracy and and, and, and freedom and, and democracy. You know, so you you follow these words and when you when you when you immerse yourself in this topic as I do, you see that war going on everywhere. You see it in schools, you see it in families, you see it in businesses. I mean, my focus is business, but I see it everywhere. And and I and I joke that every week I get a new case study because the war will flare up somewhere every week because there is a tension that's arising around this changing sea as you you know the seas are a changing that the, the the paradigm shift and and one of the ways that you talk about that there was about purpose success you know the way we define success it, you know it used to be about profit 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 and then that translated into gdp 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 and life was simple and we all sort of bought into it and it sort of worked for 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 a time But I think now people are expecting a broader contribution. It's not just profit. It's about people. It's about planet. And we are now expecting businesses to navigate from that old world to that new world. And some are going willingly. Some are pretending that they're going, but they're not actually changing anything. And some are kicking and screaming, screaming, saying, we don't like this and we don't want to change and you know it's it's i think it is a real critical time in the evolution of of leadership in business but also you could say more generally
2: yeah and i think this this like challenge this um you know conflict that we're seeing it's not like it's new either, because if we kind of look back to the evolutions of history and the various different um, changes that's taken place within from an economic model down to even a, you know, a political viewpoint, there's there's always been changes and in, in driving factors that have led to I've said it before but like crisis is often the catalyst for change and in respect to what we see at the moment <laughs> there's an awful lot of crisis and turbulence and ultimately I think to kind of go beyond that and go more towards a solution companies people individuals ourselves we we need to start having more of a clear vision about the the future and what we what we want that future to be and and what it represents and and how we can go about creating it because you know, you know, like from, I won't go too political into this, but like from a political persuasion in the UK, the challenges that we're seeing now are similar to the challenges if you look back to like the the early 90s, 95, 96, and then ultimately the election took place in 97. And, and the narratives have changed that were being put forth by the opposition party at the time, like Britain deserves better and new labour, new hope. This kind of desire for hope, is is there again like people are looking at the turbulence that we see throughout society and and they just want to kind of have hope they want to be shared a vision for that's yeah more more hopeful rather than hopeless and i think in respect to that there's there's an awful lot can be done from from the dynamics of business because like technology has advanced at such at such a pace that the old ways of power of leadership of uh, you know these the bastions of power then they're no longer there anymore like the the ones that actually lead countries are corporations and therefore the ones that are going to drive the true um change that society needs are corporations so it's up to business leaders now to have clear visions as to you know that simon Sinek golden circle rather than go from the how and the what on the outer circles it's actually focused centrally on on the why like why do you even exist what are you trying to achieve and what movements and what processes and what what ways are you going to galvanize movements for change, both inside your organization and externally, because then you're going to be able to mitigate against factors that we see in the market, such as like the grand resignation or even wider factors that we see in society, such as the loss of trust capital in governments and media. Um, It's not just the UK that's facing this, it's, it's globally, but ultimately, like rather than just go on and on and on about like the issue of a loss of trust and a lack of trust, what is the alternate vision that's being put forth? And in your, in your view, what does that entail?
1: Well, again, uh, totally with you. We need, we need a new vision. Uh, business is well qualified. Global business is well qualified to step forward and be brave to articulate that vision. Um, in the past, they, they didn't think it was their job to do that. They thought that their job in society was wealth generation. And, and that was that. If you're CEO now of a global company, you've you've got a different job than you had ten years ago, and and your job includes activism around a purpose and an agenda that is bigger than the making money. Of course, of course, you you still need to make money, but you need to then say how are we how are we contributing beyond that. And and I think you do see leaders, brave leaders, stepping into this space. So I was very. Um, really, that um, a guy called Paul Paulman wrote the foreword for my book, The Trusted Executive, because Paul Paulman, the former uh, chief executive of Unilever, you know, to me, he was the the guy who, back in 2009, uh, decided that he was going to commit Unilever to a different path, you know, uh, the sustainable living plan, as he called it at that time. It's a genuine triple bottom line vision, people, profit, planet. And he has committed, and he did commit, and the legacy is still there, for, for Unilever to, to start pioneering down this path and measuring its success equally, with equal focus on, on the profit, the people uh, and the planet. And I think, you know, there are companies like Unilever that are looking to demonstrate that this isn't just about a moral uh, imperative, uh, but actually it's it's about good business. It's about what works. It's, it's, it's practical. And, and we're now seeing a huge investment the, the the ESG, environmental, social governance uh, investment sort of focus that is prioritizing the investment of funds into companies that are moving in this direction because the investors have now worked out that the risks are greater from standing still than they are from moving forward, and so they are beginning to back the pioneers, uh, and 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 now that's happening. You're going to see. An accelerating um, trend of companies that work this out and that decide to commit to this path. I think that's exciting. I think that is something we should be optimistic about. And we just want to keep encouraging business leaders to seize the moment to get on the pitch and take up this vacuum, the vacuum that's being left by traditional politics and traditional businesses and traditional leadership. We want These leaders to come forward now, fill that vacuum, give us a vision um, that gets us out of bed on a Monday morning, fully committed. And there's lots of people waiting to to follow that.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm.
2: yeah, like to, to kind of go beyond the us versus them narratives and the and, and all the various different conflicts and and turmoil and crisis that we face on a day to day basis. Like, people just need to remember, and business leaders and individuals ourselves, we all need to remember the need to rekindle value and what what values represent us as individuals, what values represent the businesses at which we work for and operate. And how clear are those values and beliefs being articulated to the wider societies in which we live, operate and serve? And also because of those those needs for clarity and those needs to kind of articulate change we we, we're very much just in that education point where people are kind of being reawoken to what is possible um, and what the future may hold like it's so exciting if you just look at the mergers and acquisitions that's taken place in the sector that i'm more closely aligned to which is a computer game sector like there's so much innovation and there's so much like hope and optimism that is available within the rise of the like technology and technological advancement and i think also people need to understand the the power and the benefit of tribes and communities because if we look at communities as a whole like people don't buy what you do they buy why you do it so so naturally If you are articulating clear narratives in which resonate with people's values and beliefs, you're more likely to draw them into your community, your tribe, and and create a following that you can kind of utilise for the benefit of all. And if you kind of look at that, then we also have to look at the evolution of history and, and how historically the human... Population has, has has developed through through like that tribe mentality. I can't remember the name of the book, but I'll I'll put a link in the episode to the book that I'm talking about. But the book Tribes, like it's yeah. an amazing book. And you you look at how that evolves and how like collective benefit for all. I guess like we've we've spent a quite a long period of time like looked at, looking at these individually focused viewpoints and You know, I think it's to the detriment because, yeah, just look at the pandemic, right? If things like neoliberalism and capitalism was going to work in its existing frameworks of Milton Friedman and and providing shareholder value above anything else, then things like pandemics would not have played out in the way that it did play out. So if we start looking at the fact that everybody is a vested shareholder in your company, um, and everybody has a vested interest in in the growth and development and s- sustainability of a company. Then we have more of, a, well, we've got more of an opportunity to build trust, more of an. Int- more of an opportunity to to create real engagement rather than simply sales, and because of that, we have more of an opportunity to be more visionary and look towards the future and see what's possible and like actually articulate and implement actions for for change that's going to be for the you know that's going to actually drive society forward rather than kind of be in this perpetual loop of like negativity that we see at the moment. And I truly believe that some of the leaders that I mean it's playing out in today anyway. Some of the leaders that we have they're just not fit for purpose. So you know they they the turmoil that's going on in Ukraine with like Putin, like that's just crazy. Like that guy's just not fit for purpose. And you look at like the UK or you look over at um, what happened in America with like Trump, they're not visionary. They don't have a vision of a future. They just, they're, they're just about creating individual wealth and for the benefit of themselves above others. And I think, you know, Society is calling them out. It's calling out weak leaders. It's calling out people that lie. And it's very evident who they are. And, you know, we don't have to spend too much time looking and critiquing at these particular people. What we need to do is focus more about the future. So it's like, you know, rather than like spend your time thinking about the past, like it's it's about building the future. And that's, that's what I think we should be focusing on.
1: Yeah. Um, and you use that word. I've used it. That's exciting. That's creative you know, it's it's time to architect something new. And I think people who are, um, who have that seed of leadership in them, that should really excite them, you know, that, wow, what a time, what a time, When when is there a time when you have such a blank sheet on which to create this vision, and such a need, and such a, a crying out for it, you know, and and, and I do believe, you know, that that vacuum you know nature hates a vacuum you know that th- those leaders will will step in they will appear it won't be me and people of my generation but the best that people of like me and my generation can do is is create the the opening and and create the air cover if you like to to allow those new leaders to uh, to, to to step forward and and create the opportunity but it's it's for a younger generation to seize that opportunity and I, I don't know what your view on this is Peter but I I do sometimes worry about the the boldness and the um the bravery that's required you know to st- to step into this and and I'm I'm amazed that young people are not more agitated and active and expressing their their voice strongly on 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 this topic I do worry at times there's a sort of nihilism that has taken grip that is persuading people that change isn't possible or it's not worth it or um you know why me and uh you know I I just hope that 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 spell is is sort of broken and and that 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 the younger generation brings this vision forward much better than, than than I can and um and really goes for it
2: no, it's de- like it's definitely there, right? But the challenge that um, we face at this current point in time is number one: existing frameworks whereby people have benefited through the through the retention of power. The existence is still there, like power in the old ways was power created wealth, and wealth creates um, a voice. And like it ultimately, if you're able to control a the narrative, then you can control an awful lot about how society um, and how society works. But ultra- ultimately, beyond that, I think where we as like as as a generation can kind of go forward, is um, not just looking about uh, about purpose, but active actually activating movements for change. And you know, like it comes down to sing, simple visions and the fact that, like Socrates said it back in the day, in respect to the secret of change is to focus all your energy not in fighting the old, but on building the new. So, if we're able to kind of have that as a central why, like akin to Simon Sinek's golden circle, if we focus centrally on the why then we can build out from there. And it's about, at this present point in time, it's about bringing people together into their tribes, into um, sectors that they have shared beliefs, values, goals with, that they can kind of create progression through and create like change through. I think also you've, you've got to look at the fact that, you know, look at like Naomi Klein's, disaster capital disaster capitalism or you look at um timothy schneider's um populism and his new book around unfreedom like there's an awful lot of like if you if you're able to perpetuate constant cycles of crisis then it's almost on a day-by-day basis people are reacting to that particular crisis and that particular turmoil and then the, to the next day comes a new crisis a new turmoil and the, you create the aggression and you create like the annoyance about that particular topic, but because it's so frequent and because it hits home on a day by day basis, like recently we often see a multitude of crises in a singular day, while historically we would have seen like one over the course of a, a much larger duration. I think the challenge that we we face now is like, do we get ourselves bogged down in the crisis that we that we face and and having to provide like a reactive response. To um, each an individual narrative, or are we able to take on board those as learnings and take on board these crises as as kind of almost like just noise in the background that we're able to then draw on these experiences to highlight as like beacons to say that look, these are the elements that make me untrusting of society, and these are the things that I want to do going forward to to mitigate these particular risks, and and that that just brings back into the into the focal point are we as individuals wanting to change and want to be wanted to be more proactive in part of this change journey that's that's very much upon us at this at this point in time or are we going to just let ourselves get bogged down in the continuation of the perpetual loops of crises for me when I wake up in the morning I wake up like galvanized because I, I want to be part of this, this change. I want to be part of the progression. I want to drive the change that I want to see in the world and focus more towards the future rather than on the past. And I think, yeah, yeah like if you have that change in your own individual mindset, then my God, be prepared for an, a, a real awesome journey ahead.
1: Well, yeah. So let, let me ask you a question on this. On, uh, let me ask you a question, Peter, on this theme, because I agree with again, everything you, you're you're saying there. But I don't underestimate the seductiveness of the information agenda that is pumped into people's minds every day. Uh, I don't. I don't underestimate the f- sophistication, sophistication and seductiveness of media, and how it can entrain us, and how it can it can it can consume us, and. You know, a lot of what you you talking about there is almost like willpower. You know, that I, on the morning, in the morning, I'm going to get up and I'm going to ignore all of that, and I'm going to commit myself to the future and to being part of this creating of a new future. Uh, I think that doing that in practice and protecting yourself from that constant bombardment um, that is trying to hijack your 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 thinking mind, I think that is a hugely difficult job, which which many of us are not as prepared for as we think we are. And we're not as, um, however strong our will is, our psychology is such that we're quite easily manipulated. Um, and I think we need to get much, much better. If we want to form a tribe, let's form a tribe that is helping each other to understand how we protect ourselves from that manipulation, how, how we on a daily basis, you know, what is the discipline and the practices that allow us to, to stay sort of with a clean and clear mind that that can still put energy into a strategic future direction rather than being hijacked by a, an emotive, you know, reptilian sort of crisis, yeah. you know, feeling.
2: I think, you know, I, I did a, a, a totally resonate with what you're saying about like the behavioural change and... Because of this particular topic, I I chatted to um, Dr. Grace Lorden on, um, yeah, she's just recently brought out a book called Think Big. And the topics that we were discussing are things like mindset, right? So as individuals, do we have a fixed or a growth mindset? Figure that out. Like if you've got a fixed or a growth mindset and if it's fixed, are you happy in it being a current fixed mindset or do you want to grow? And if you want to start like looking at development individually, then, you know, like look at the version of yourself at this present point in time. Are you happy in your current lifestyle? If you are, that's cool. Like I'm not telling everybody to change. I'm just asking people to think holistically, like, are they happy? And if they're, if they're not happy, then there's ways of developing like akin to Dr. Grace, like there's ways of developing your me plus and applying it to your daily life. Also, like one of the key components to any successful change is is consistency. Mm. I'm not telling you to like close your eyes to all of the media around you. Like don't like I don't, I, I consume like media from here, there and everywhere because I want to understand what are my challenges and I want to understand what is the opportunities that's ahead of us. So, um, yeah, you, you're building out like the understanding of of all forms of narrative, of all forms of like the story that's taking place in front of us. So, um, yeah, the challenges of those that are kind of trying to suppress people's viewpoints to, you know, be almost like, um, subservient to a, a, a regime then fine like we know we're aware of them like go read George Orwell's books go read like just educate yourself or if you want to look at like developing yourself then there's loads there's loads you can kind of look upon there and like I think the the crux of where we are at the moment we, it it comes down to the individual right we can all profess about what we want to see in the future but who's going to act like and and the reason that I created things like the podcast and the reason I engage with people like yourselves and the other guests that we've had is because I'm really intrigued as to the work that you guys are doing and the knowledge that you have to share in respect to this tribe that we're evidently building within Purpose Made. Because I think that if you're able to kind of have, you know, more positive Viewpoints in how to actually action these things that you want to take place because that's often the struggling point. Like people often struggle as to you know how do I actually action um, this particular change that I want to go go on and also you know you get highs and lows. Like it's yeah it's a long journey ahead. So rather than focus on the final destination which I think a lot of people, when they're going through change, both individually or within organizational transformations and change, they often get like too focused in the final destination and don't appreciate that the current point in time that they're at in their own change journeys or their own organizational change journeys. And I just want to encourage people to not feel so low, not feel yeah. so down. Like, you know, I've been there. I know what it's like. You just need to listen back to some of our episodes on mental health and you know where, why I've decided to follow this pathway and like my god it's it's amazing when you get on this journey so like i'm just wanting to encourage more to do so and if you're untrustworthy of situations don't feel like you can't do nothing like everybody has an opportunity to change but yeah is there anything that you'd like to like leave as a lasting comment or a key quote or a key concept or something that you think that our audience would really appreciate at this point in time
1: Hmm. yeah i'm I'm, i suppose i'm i suppose i need to witness for uh, for for our, our our listeners, that that it's true that over a five, 10 year period, it is amazing what you can do. So, like ten years ago, I mean, like I mentioned at the beginning, eighteen years ago, I was international managing director in a FTSE one hundred company, and thirty, I was thirty eight years old. And you're thinking, okay, uh, that 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 was pretty cool, right? Um, at, at that time, in terms of that ten year period, but but then after that exchange with my my boss, I decided to commit myself to something new, a new path. And I let go of that completely. I gave that up. And a lot of people thought I was mad to to, to give up what I gave up then. But, But from that day to this day, you know, climbing another mountain over 10 years, over 15 years, over 18 years. So, you know, I can look back and say, there's a doctorate there. There's a book there. There's a not-for-profit business there that has contributed £185,000 to UK Christian-led charities that are inclusive at the point of need. Um, These things keep me uh, motivated and keep me engaged and keep me feeling that I'm in some small, vague way part of the solution rather than part of the problem. However imperfect I am, I do feel part of a tribe and, and I find that very rewarding to feel that way. And over a period of time, you can, you can achieve incredible things if you if you keep that consistency, you keep that focus, and you just keep walking forwards. Trust in that sort of compound interest approach with, with your life and your purpose, that the compound interest, it works for money, but it also works for purpose and for fulfilment in life if you can get focused on a passionate vision and be consistent and disciplined in, in the implementation of that and the, and the tribe that you're surrounding yourself with that keeps you standing up when when you hit the the really difficult days so a lot of it is just summarizing you know what what we've said peter and uh you know my work on trust is 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 my little thread that i'm putting into the tapestry there uh, we haven't talked actually in detail about that but i think more importantly what's emerged is is that to put your thread into the tapestry you know, put your thread into it, find it and weave it into it and keep weaving it into it and trust that there are other people working on that tapestry in their own way, whether the word's purpose or whether the word is trust or whether the word is, you know, climate change or wh- whatever the word is, that, that that this future that we're talking about is, is being crafted by many, many hands um, that all are, are trusting that that they're not alone and that they're, that their bit their bit will count. exactly.
2: That's a perfect way to finish. So thank you so much for your time. It's been an
1: absolute pleasure. Great. Thanks, Peter.
0: Thank you for listening to the Purpose Made podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to Purpose Made wherever you normally get your podcasts to hear the latest news and views. You can also find and follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter, or contact Peter directly to connect, inquire about Purpose Made, or request to be featured on the podcast. We look forward to welcoming you back soon for another episode.